What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. No! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Here's joined by Adam Sporlane of Sports Radio 610. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm just glad that you've recovered from your just your pure anger uh, from the weekend. And I, I will say one of the fun parts about free agency was just how angry you got at all these guys that got overpaid. So I respect it. It was I legitimately had a headache. So we were actually for some context, we actually had a plan to record a couple of days ago. And right before, like I would say like an hour before we were going to record, the Gordon Hayward contract came down and I just got furious because like just for some context, like I'm, I'm a diehard NBA fan, right? Like I have no loyalties. I love the NBA and I want all these teams to be smart. I want them all to be good. I want them to all operate like normal NBA teams. And when free agency opened, I did not believe that these teams would repeat the, the mistakes of 2016. And when I saw some of these contracts, I just got more angry. I got more headaches. I just, I just, I, I was very fidgety that day, the day of free agency. I, it was, it was very, like something took over me. And then the the Gordon Hayward contract came down. You know, Charlotte signs him to this four year, hundred twenty million dollar contract. And I just, I just texted Adam. I can't do it today. I, I, I can't. I can't record today because it, it just made me that angry. I'll be honest with you. I had no issue with that contract. And we, we've discussed the whole tanking thing before, and especially when it comes to Charlotte. I, I had no issue with that. Listen, I, I know it's definitely an overpay. Like, no question about it. It is an overpay 100%. But what is Charlotte hoarding cap space for at this point? Are, are they are, are they now out of the honest sweepstakes because they went and signed Gordon Hayward? I think, it's, I think it's great. I think it sends a message to the fan base. But I think it also sends just a message to the players that are on that team. Like, hey, we believe in you. We want to try and, and make the playoffs. And you know what? It, it, it's very difficult to win a championship in the NBA. Uh, the Hornets are a team that is highly unlikely to ever win one because they're never going to be able to attract a star. But they, they got an all-star. And I, I know it didn't work out for Hayward in Boston. And, and some of that was unlucky. And some of that was the fact that his role completely changed uh, once he got there. 
Uh, I still think that Gordon Hayward can be a really, really good player. Is it an overpay? Yeah, but at the same time, uh, when is Charlotte ever going to attract an all-star that's still, what, is he even 30 yet at this point? So I had no problem with it. Uh, I know I understand why people do. It, it's an overpay 100%. I'm not going to deny that. But I like the message that it sends to a team that was very competitive last year. They had the third pick in the draft. I think people seem to really like LaMelo Ball and think that he has a chance to be really good. So why not? why not give it a shot? Uh, I mean, listen, like, I, I hope it works out. I, I really do. I really hope Gordon Hayward ends up being worth at least 70, 80% of that contract. That'd be great. Uh, right now, it looks like a contract that is going to be very difficult to move in a year. Uh, and, and, and like, it's just so I had a conversation actually with my dad a couple of days ago, right? And we were talking about so he's a, he's an NBA fan too. And, and we were talking about like if the Rockets tried to dump Russell Westbrook, right? Like, what teams would be willing to take him, right? And I, and I was just like, I don't think any team is going to be able to take him without taking back some significant draft competition from the Rockets. I was like, I just don't think these dumb teams exist in the NBA anymore. And then free agency rolls around, and all these teams are just signing insane contracts. And I'm just like, you know what? I might have lost that argument. My dad might have been right. There, there do seem to be teams willing to do uh, outrageous things. Um, well, I, really quick, I don't think it's about teams being dumb. I, maybe what Detroit did is, is kind of dumb. I'll, I'll grant you that. But I, I think that teams want to be competitive and teams want to get good players. And they, you know, you got to have a reason to, to go and watch some of these teams. And I, I don't think it's logical for every team in the world to say, hey, we want to win a championship because it's just not possible when you have a league that is so driven by stars. So I, I don't ever have a problem with a team going for it. Are, are some of the, the moves dumb and short-sighted? Yeah, probably. But if you're going for it, good for you. I tip my cap to the teams that actually go for it and not the teams that just sit on cap space and, and hope to get lucky with the ping pong balls. Well, um, good for my sanity that we are not here to talk about the Charlotte Hornets today. I was hoping uh, <laughs> Uh, so we are officially three days into free agency, and because of the accelerated nature of free agency this year, most teams are close to done making moves. The Rockets are no exception. After signing DeMarcus Cousins today, they have two roster spots left. Uh, they have to sign one more guy before going into the season, but they're probably going to fall short of the full 15 because of the hard cap restrictions. Uh, basically, unless we get a late-breaking Russell Westbrook trade, which I highly doubt, all their significant moves are done. We can now start to evaluate what they what they've done this free agency. Uh, so let's actually save our thoughts on their off season as a whole until the end and go in order of the things they did. Uh, so they start the off season with a, with a series of transactions that basically swaps out Robert Covington for for two first round draft picks and Christian Wood, and Wood is signed to a forty one million uh, three forty one one million dollar contract over three years, which I think is fair value. It's not a steal or an overpay. But I think it's pretty much what the market was predicted to be for him. And I should also mention that since this is a sign-and-trade with the Pistons, the Rockets are now hard-capped this season. So, Adam, what did you think of this deal? Uh, the Rockets were always going to be hard-capped because they were either going to do a sign-and-trade like this or they were going to use the mid-level. So uh, the hard-cap thing is no surprise. Uh, let's start with just the Covington aspect of it. And it's also important to note the Rockets haven't actually announced anything so I'm not sure exactly what they're waiting for or if there are some moving pieces or if they're dealing with maybe some physicals, but the Rockets have yet to announce anything. Uh, I thought the Covington trade was a really good trade. I thought getting value back for him was really smart. Um, it, it gave them some flexibility. Obviously, they don't, they're not able to make the uh, the Wood signing without, without making that trade. Uh, they are a team that has had no draft 
they have not had any assets in the draft for years and years and years. So to be able to get some of that back, I think that was important. And I think that was something that they needed to do. Um, and Covington was good for them last year, but I, I think that some of the stuff that they lose with Covington, they can make up for in other places. I don't think that he was as good as an on-ball defender as they were probably hoping for. Uh, on the Wood signing, I think that it's it's risky. Uh, I think that he was a really good player for the last month of, of last season with the Pistons when he finally got a shot. But I, I want to see how he performs now with some pressure because it's one thing to put up big numbers uh, for a month on a team that isn't contending where nobody cares, but it's a whole other thing to do it when the microscope is on you. And when people are really watching and when people are paying attention and now there's some pressure and some expectations with the contract. So he's, he's a really talented player. He put up some big numbers uh, that last month in Detroit, but he's never really been part of a winning situation. He's never really had any pressure on him. So I'm very interested to see how he performs uh, with that now. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because there have been players uh, not like Christian Wood, not exactly like this, but like Hassan White's a, a good example, right? That last year with Miami has a fantastic season. It looks like he's impacting winning on both sides of the floor, gets the big contract, and that tapers off a little bit. And yeah, he does have a lot to prove. And, you know, whether he can get his body in, in shape for the kind of demand he's going to have to take as a starting center in this league, that's still a question. Uh, whether you know the numbers he put up, you know what, what whether he can sustain that for an eighty-two game season or, or rather a seventy-two game season, that that's still a question. Uh, but I do like the idea of Christian Wood, the player in a vacuum. Like I like the idea of like a big man that can stretch the floor, uh, can protect the rim, and be a lob threat. Probably not as good of a lob threat as Clint Capella, but he's pretty close to the kind of lob threat. Uh, that Clint Capella was, uh, at least in those last uh, closing games of Detroit's season, uh, he was that good. And that kind of player in a vacuum is just so perfect to play next to both James Harden and P.J. Tucker. And I wrote about this, right? Like, like Clint Capella is the perfect big man to play next to James Harden. P.J. Tucker is the perfect big man to play next to Russell Westbrook. Christian Wood, the the idea of Christian Wood, is the perfect big man to play next to both of them. And he, like, he can space the floor whenever whenever teams are trying to trap James Harden or whether teams are trying to you know crowd the paint for Russell Westbrook. He can be a lob threat when James Harden's on the floor by himself. Uh, it, it, it's just the idea of him as a player, I really like that. No, like he, you said. He's a threat from everywhere on the floor. And that's what they lacked with Capella. And that's why they essentially dealt him is because – uh, you could not play him with Russell Westbrook at the same time. Just it, it screwed up the spacing. Now you can not only have a rim protector out there, but you can have a rim protector who can actually sit behind the three-point line, and you actually have to respect that shot. Uh, they can do more in the pick and roll. You can do some pick and pops, which they uh, really have never been able to do. I, I guess they have been a little bit, but they haven't been able to do that very often. So uh, that it, it gives them a weapon. It gives them a, a more complete player on the floor which they have not had so uh it is it was definitely worth the shot like i said it comes with some risk i mean he's got to show that he can actually do it uh for more than a month and he's got to be able to show that he can contribute to winning it's one thing to put up numbers on a bad team it's a whole other thing to put up numbers on a good team so i think it's it's worth a shot uh, they they don't really have other ways of getting better they're they are pretty much locked into their core their roster so to not only have him in, in the other thing too he's 25 years old 
know, when is the last time that they've been able to bring in somebody who's not, you know, 28, 29, 30. So that's a big thing. Also, I think the last time that they were able to do that, it was James Harden when he was what, 23. So it injects some youth into the roster. And I think that's something that we're going to talk about a little bit more uh, throughout this podcast. Yeah, for sure. And like the idea of of uh, Christian Wood as a pick and roll uh, big is is pretty important because it's something I talked about with Jonathan Fagan a couple months back when the Rockets season ended. Like I just think the Rockets have become too dependent on the ISO space the floor, let James do his thing. I think they lost a lot of what they had with the pick and roll threat. Like like it, it is a good thing to have a pick a pick and roll attack in, at some point in your offense. The fact that. The Rockets completely abandoned that. Like I, I thought it made them a little predictable, especially come playoff time in these big crunch time moments. I think having that element back is a good thing. The age thing is pretty uh, important because you talk about like a, like your star players are unhappy right now, right? And acquiring some age may do you some good if you do decide to pivot and perhaps trade for someone like Ben Simmons. I don't think it was a coincidence that Christian Wood is about the same age as Ben Simmons. And if they do decide to rebuild, he can play in both versions of the Rockets. He can play in this version of the Rockets where they're trying to win now, or he can play in the next version of the Rockets where they try to win tomorrow. And I think I, I think that's why this signing made a lot of sense to me. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that they restocked their cupboards uh, with regards to the draft picks, I think that's that's a part of the, the trade I think got overlooked. Like they lost two first round draft picks in the Westbrook trade last year, and they got they got two first round draft picks back in the Covington trade. And I think that I think that's important. Like even if you aren't planning to rebuild, it is nice to have those two first round draft picks to build around James and Russ. If you are planning to do that, a lot of this, by the way, and we're, I guess we can talk about this now, is going to depend on the buy in you get from James and Russ. Like does this kind of a move convince James that you're serious about winning that that you saw you heard his criticisms about the roster and you and you decided to do something about it that you feel like Christian Wood can be a good winning player for you next season and whether or not you can you can sell that to James is going to be a big question yeah that's that's really the toughest part of the job right now for Steven Silas and Rafael Stone is that they have to get him buying back in uh I don't think it's going to happen overnight uh, I, I think that it's going to take some time. And I think that, and again, that leads to even more pressure for Christian Wood. I mean, if you're Christian Wood, you're sitting there and you're saying, well, if this guy doesn't like me, then he might want to continue to leave and he might not want to stay here. So I, I think that the, the job for Christian Wood is really difficult, but I don't think they're going to trade Harden. I think that they're going to try and bring everyone into camp. I think Westbrook will be fine. Uh, I think Westbrook will show up. He'll be professional about it. I think that he understands the situation that he's in with Harden. Listen, he clearly does not want to be here, and he's clearly uneasy about the direction that the team is going in. Uh, so they've got to get him back on board. Uh, I think that if you give him some time with Steven Silas, I think that Steven Silas has the possibility of really getting him on the same page. I, I think everyone who's dealt with Steven Silas in the past just talks in glowing terms about the guy. So uh, I think that. It'll be very, very important for Steven Silas to get him in a room and kind of tell him exactly what they're thinking right now. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world and more total visits than any other job sites according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. 
Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with the candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day and every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So the next moves they made, and I'm, and I'm going to put this all in one category, uh, as I did in my write-up this morning. They signed Sterling Brown, Jace, uh, is it, is it Jay, Jason Tate or Jay Sean Tate? Jay Sean, Jay okay. Sean Ohio State. Okay, Jay Sean Tate and David Nwaba to dirt, to dirt, dirt cheap contracts. They actually used part of the MLE to sign Tate to a long-term deal. And before anyone adds me on Twitter, I'm aware that they signed Nwaba last season before the playoffs, but they had no expectation of him playing coming off the Achilles. So yes, it was technically a two-year deal, but it was actually signed with the intention of him playing this year. And I actually like what they did here. They knew... Uh, of what they knew what was going on with James and Russ was going to turn off a lot of free agents and they were, and they weren't going to get a lot of ring chasing vets. So instead they basically took bets on youngish three and D wings. And they're hoping that at least one of them pans out for them. This reminds me a lot of when they signed Gary Clark, Daniel house and James Ennis to contracts uh, three years ago and only house ended up working out for them. But when you really look at who's already signed on the roster, they only really need one of these guys to pan out. For the twenty for like twenty ish minutes a game, like there's two hundred forty minutes at a basketball game. Harden and Westbrook are going to occupy seventy of those, so you're down to one seventy. I think we can safely assume that House, Tucker, and Wood will take about ninety combined of those minutes. That brings them down to eighty for the bench. Eric Gordon and Ben McLemore will probably take fifty of those bench minutes. That brings you down to thirty. Demarcus Cousins will probably take about fifteen. That brings you down to fifteen. That probably goes to whatever wing works out from this bunch. So if you weren't going to compete for vets, I think this is a smart way to fill out the bottom of your roster. Well, it's the only option that they had. I mean, they they really only had the minimum at that point. So you're just trying to identify guys that you think that can help you and that might be undervalued uh, by other teams. I, I think Sterling Brown is interesting. He's athletic. He's long. Um, he for whatever reason he couldn't he didn't get as much of a a chance in Milwaukee as I thought that he might. Uh, but it's it's a flyer. I mean, you're basically taking. I look at it a lot like Macklemore, where you're taking a flyer on someone and and you see what works and you see if maybe you can get something out of it. So um, I, I think that it, it was all worth a shot. I don't know. I remember watching Tate in, in college. I don't really remember a ton about him, uh, but I'm curious to see how his game developed uh, once he uh, was able to get once he uh, started playing in Australia. Uh, the guy I'm interested in is uh, the kid from Arkansas, 
that they have reportedly signed. I, I can't even remember his name. Uh, the Mason kid. Uh, just, Mason Jones. Yeah, I, I kind of like him as just a a very polished scorer. Um, he, he can do something. Scored a ton of points in the SEC. Uh, he's not very athletic, but he's big. He, he kind of reminds you a little bit. He's like a, a little shorter version of Tobias Harris in a way. I mean, he's not nearly as good as Tobias Harris, but he's a little shorter. Uh, he can get his shot off really uh, under any circumstances. He, he's Like I said, he's not athletic, but he knows how to get to the rim, knows how to use his body. So I'm curious to see if that's a guy who can maybe contribute for them uh, when you wouldn't necessarily expect. Because like you said, they, they have some minutes that are wide open for some guys. So uh, it would be interesting to see if he could be someone who emerges. Yeah, uh, it feels so strange talking about young guys on this podcast. It might have been like three years since we've done that. Um, so the two guys that intrigue me the most uh, from this bunch are probably Sterling Brown and David Nwaba. Like Sterling Brown, we know, can contribute to an NBA team because Mike Boonoser gave him about 15 minutes a game for the past three seasons. And, you know, he, he's still pretty young, about 24 years old. And uh, I think... Um, you know, he, he's big. He can defend multiple positions. Uh, he can get kind of crazy with the ball and like just, just try stuff offensively that he shouldn't be trying. But I think maybe this experience of being let go by the Bucks it might humble him a little bit. And, you know, he might try to fit into that 15-minute role uh, here in Houston. Uh, David Nawaba is probably the guy who's worked out the best uh, in the NBA. Like, he was starting to get some, you know, real accomplishments like especially in Brooklyn like he was he found his role as a forward in this league that can defend multiple positions and shoot the three ball uh he, he's like a 36 percent career three-point shooter that's pretty good uh and you know he he's he's proven and the only thing that's really holding him back is how has he recovered since that Achilles you know how is how does he look so I think these are decent guys. I'll be honest. I don't know anything about uh, Jay Sean Tate. I mean, just the fact that I don't know how to pronounce his name should tell you everything. I don't, I don't watch a lot of college basketball, so I, I don't know much about him. Uh, I'll trust everything you say about him. Um, yeah, I, I think this was a nice way to take bets on guys. Because again, most of your most of your playing time is already filled out with the guys you already have on the roster. And you're really only talking about uh, 15, maybe 30 minutes a game at most that you have to find and you only need one of these guys to hit like Daniel house hit. So if you get a Daniel house to hit amongst this bunch, you're pretty happy. Oh, you're thrilled. I mean, Daniel house, that, that, that doesn't happen very often uh, where you get a starting level player, even someone like Ben McLemore, that doesn't happen very often. Um, I, I still think that they, they got maybe a couple areas that they probably need to address. And I know it's tough when, when you're only working with the minimum, but losing Austin rivers, I think was a significant loss uh, just to have that depth. Um, when you consider that your top three guards are over the age of 30 and two of them don't necessarily want to be there. So uh, I still think that there's some work to be done, but I think overall this was a pretty decent uh, first off season for Rafael Stone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that, I'm glad you brought up Rafael because like, this is, I mean, this goes on, on his books, right? Like this is his first official off season with the, with the franchise. And, you know, I thought that first series of transactions that uh, it really showed it, like he's, probably pretty good like I like when at first I thought those series of transactions were cost-cutting moves but either way even if they were like like you know initially intended to be cost-cutting moves they were pretty clever cost-cutting moves because they netted back first round picks by dumping contracts which is insane that's that's really hard to do and uh like I, I thought that was impressive and you know, the fact that they got Christian Wood out of it and, and managed to keep two firsts out of it, that, that, that's insane. I, I think that that first trade was promising 
And, you know, the fact that they took bets on these guys, I, 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 wouldn't worry about Houston being like an incompetent for, like front office after Daryl left. Like obviously you'd never want to lose one of the best general managers in the league, but I think they're probably going to be a good front office. I mean, it still remains to be seen. Um, I'll, I'll obviously I'm, I'm going to wait to for sure, for sure. evaluate this sort of stuff, but you know, they have basically the way you're going to judge it is, would you rather have uh Christian Wood and the two picks or would you rather have Robert Covington? Uh, that's essentially what the trade turned out to be. Um, I think everyone knows what Covington is. I, I think that they kind of understood that they weren't good enough with Covington and that they needed to add an extra dimension, whether Harden and Westbrook stick around or whether they decide to leave or whether uh, they decide to trade them. So I, I do think that, and, and I give them credit, they they uh, looked inward at their roster to understand what they are and, and what they were good at, what they needed to improve. And they decided that they needed to upgrade from Covington. And I think that they were probably right. I think that you saw uh, in that Lakers series that Covington is a good player, but they they just needed a little bit more. They needed a, a little more. They needed a more dynamic offensive player to have. And uh, I think that they got him. Now it's just a matter of can he put it, can Wood put it together and, and give you the sort of minutes that he gave you, that he gave the Pistons that last month after after they traded Andre Drummond. Yeah, and if you remember back uh, to before last trade deadline, I mean, we were talking about the Rockets possibly going out on the market and trying to acquire size. Like, this was an issue for them. They were just getting out-rebounded night after night after night. So size was a problem for them. And then instead of doing that, they decided to double down on microball and decided, screw it, we're not going to win the rebounding battle either way. We're going to win. We're going to try to win the turnover battle and recover those possessions that way. I think Houston saw that that path. That you know, it's not like they were unsuccessful in that path. I mean, I think they reached their natural limitations playing that way, and I think they want to play a more traditional style. And you know, maybe maybe win the rebounding battle once every two night two games. You know, that might be something that they might might want to try doing. So I think they're going to try and play a little bit more conventional and just look a little different. Like the, the, the last year's team just got way too predictable, way too uh, comfortable in, in their own you know ways offensively. And I think I think they wanted to just change change some stuff up. And I, I'm sure Steven Silas said this in his opening presser. Like he wants to have say in what the front office does. I'm sure he had input in a lot of this and that he wanted a traditional big man uh, or whatever the hell Christian Wood is, right? Like he he wanted a a real he wanted real size on the roster. And I think uh I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does with this size. What kind of system does he implement? Does he does he want to run, you know, a more of an emotion offense? Does he want to run more pick and roll? Does he want to, you know, not deviate too much from what they did last year? That's going to be what's interesting. What do they do with this talent? I think you look at remember Stephen Silas was basically the I don't know if you call him the architect, but he was a big reason why the Mavericks. I guess you could say he put help really helped put together that Mavericks offense last year, and it was the best offense in terms of efficiency in league history. And you look at, you know, they're playing Kristaps Porzingis at center an awful lot. And who does Porzingis kind of remind you of a little yeah. bit? Yeah. I remind you a little bit of Christian Wood. So uh, you have obviously two dynamic talents at guard with Westbrook and Harden. And then you have somebody like, like Wood who can really do a lot of things. And he's a threat from basically every spot on the floor 
So I, I think that offensively, that only makes them better. And he himself talked about how he doesn't want to be so predictable. And like you said, they everyone knew what they were running. Like they're, you know, they might uh, have some tweaks or, you know, some little wrinkles that they would throw out there with, uh, with D'Antoni. But uh, I think everyone pretty much knew what they were going to run. Um, there were no secrets about their offense, especially once you got towards the end. So I do think that some unpredictability will be nice. I think that it'll make life a whole lot easier on James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And I think that's part of the message that Silas really has to get out to those two guys that I can make your life easier. If you just sit down and listen to me, let me show you what I'm thinking. And then if you actually execute this plan, we have a chance to be really, really, really good offensively. And, and we can do so without you having to carry such a big load that you've had to carry the last couple of years. So let's talk about DeMarcus cousins. Uh, the Rockets were going to sign another center. That was inevitable. And while the center market was drying up, I had a feeling that they were going to sign Cousins. And that's not because I had any intel. That's because of Kelly's reporting, uh, Kelly Eco's reporting. Uh, and that that's just what the Rockets do. They, the Rockets love these rehab projects with star players. And because they are so far up against the hard cap, I thought it would be a mistake to go that route. Cousins is an incredible injury risk. He obviously hasn't had the opportunity to play consistent basketball in two years. And even when he's healthy, he's a kind of a defensive liability. So I thought it would be prudent for Houston to wait it out and sign someone like Dwayne Dedman instead. But here's the thing. Other than Marc Gasol, the center market got paid this offseason. Even guys like Nerlens Noel, who I thought was probably going to be available for the minimum or the BAE, got paid $5 million. So the Rockets are too close to the hard cap to offer anything like that. And if they were going to get anyone for their minimums, a non-guaranteed fly flyer and DeMarcus Cousins isn't the worst you could do like there's literally no risk because you can cut him at any time and pivot to the buyout market granted you might have to play PJ Tucker at 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 backup center until you get to that point but that's not unique to Houston uh this wasn't a big deal to me offensively DeMarcus Cousins can stretch the floor for Houston and still be big enough to be a force in the class it was a fine signing like it's not this home run that a lot of people think it might be but I didn't have a problem Houston going down this road after I saw the contract was not guaranteed. No, it's definitely not a home run. It's a very low risk type of a move. I don't even know if I would consider it to be a high ceiling type of a move, but it's worth it. But I mean, I I would certainly temper my expectations. DeMarcus Cousins has played 36 games really the last couple of years. And going back to when he, he tore his Achilles against the Rockets, it was almost, it's almost been three years since that happened. So he's got that injury. He, he tore his quad in the playoffs in 19, and then he tore his ACL, which caused him to miss all of last year. So uh, my expectations for what DeMarcus Cousins can give them are very, very low. But if it works out, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I will say, I think one part of this move that is probably important to bring up, DeMarcus Cousins is in that Westbrook-Harden generation. You know, He was drafted in, in 2010. Harden was drafted in 09. Westbrook was drafted in 08. So they're all part of that generation Everyone from that generation really likes DeMarcus Cousins. So bringing him into the fold can't hurt when you have a couple of guys who aren't necessarily thrilled with the direction of the organization. So I I give them credit for maybe thinking uh, a little bit in that direction. And he's not going to hurt them. I mean, let's be honest. If if he can't play, they're not going to keep him. But if he can't play, he gives you something and maybe he helps keep uh, Harden and Westbrook happy. 
Yeah, and it also does signal that they don't plan to trade Harden at all until you know training camp. Like, I, I we already knew this, but this kind of hammers it home even further. Like, this guy's thirty years old. They're not they're not signing him to be part of their next rebuilding phase. And you know, there's always I, I saw this on Twitter. Like, like, oh, why would you possibly sign Demarcus Cousins into a combustible situation? Listen, like, I don't think Demarcus is going to be like. I think he's going to be on his best behavior. Like, like this is the lowest you can possibly go as far as the NBA ladder goes, a non-guaranteed minimum contract. Like he knows that he has to work out here. Otherwise he's probably not going to be in the league again for a while. And I think, um, I, I think he's going to be on his best behavior. I think, uh, you know, it's not, it's not like you're not going to get the, the occasional technical foul. Like that's always going to happen with DeMarcus cousins. But I think uh, this is a decent, flyer uh I, I he's probably not going to play more than 15 minutes a game that's all they need him to play like they they just need someone solid behind christian wood uh and i think uh i it's not i don't have a big problem with this like i, I you know preferably you, maybe they sign someone that's a little bit better defensively but i mean it's it's a backup setter it's not that big of a deal i'm not i wouldn't be worried about any the the behavior stuff or anything like that I mean, he was a guy who was really on his best behavior in New Orleans. Uh, he was, I think everything, everyone said great things about him with the Warriors. Everyone said great things about him when he was with the Lakers before they, they needed that roster spot. So I think that he had some issues in Sacramento, but everyone has seemingly had issues in Sacramento the last 14 years. So none of that would bother me by by any stretch. I, I think that he will fit in well to that locker room. And, and like I said, the two best players – probably have good relationships with him when you consider that that's that same generation that, you know, all those guys are 30, 31, 32 years old. I think that's, and I think that sort of stuff matters. Yeah. And I think we kind of knew that DeMarcus Cousins, like the markets were drying up for him when he had to sign that taxpayer MLE uh, in Golden State. Like th- that wasn't because, oh, he, he really wanted to t- team up with KD, Steph and, you know, uh, and Dre. Like what he he signed that because nobody else was interested in signing him to a significant max contract offer, right? And I think uh, that's probably when he realized that you know he needed to be on his best behavior these next few stops. So it's I don't again like I, I don't think this was a, a big deal for Houston. He he's been incredibly unlucky. I mean, just flat out. I mean, the Kings were ready to offer him a max deal, and he I, I I'm not sure if he said no or they just they traded him before. The offer got made, and then he goes into a contract year, and he tears his Achilles. And then, you know, he's trying to to rehab his value in Golden State, and then he, he hurts his quad, and, and so so he he's unable to, to really play for the Warriors. And then he tears his ACL before last season even started. I mean, I think that he probably would have played some sort of a role with the Lakers last season, and it just didn't happen for him. So he's a guy who's been very very unlucky these last three years. So Adam, as a whole, what did you think of Houston's free agency? Uh, I think that it's been fine. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily been great. I I think that I give them a lot of credit for holding strong on the Harden and Westbrook stuff. They have not made a a bad deal just for the sake of making a deal. It's all going to to depend on Christian Wood and if their evaluation on him works out. And so I'm I'm very interested to hear from them whenever they decide to, to speak to us, just what they saw from Wood, what makes them sure that you know, the wood that we saw in March is going to be the wood that we see for the next three years. I, I think that's really going to be the fascinating part of it. I, I give them credit for, for getting the two draft picks because they needed the two draft picks. They 
They they obviously didn't have a first round pick this year. They lose their 2024 first rounder. In all likelihood, they won't have their 2021 first rounder. Uh, depending on, I mean, it's a pick swap with Oklahoma City, but also Miami is in there. So um, it's that's why it doesn't make any sense for them to to really start any sort of a rebuild this year. Just wait for wait to have all your picks before you start the rebuild. So I give Rafael Stone credit for making something out of the out of Covington and getting the two picks. Uh, he should get a first-round pick back from Detroit if that deal is what we expect it to be. So I, I it's all going to depend on Wood. Obviously, everything depends on Wood and if they're able to hold strong on the Harden and Westbrook stuff. And I will say this. They are banking hard that Eric Gordon will come back and be a good rotation player again for them again. I think that'll happen, but that it is something that their entire offseason banks on because they did they didn't trade him. Like he's on the roster again. Well, so they, they weren't gonna be able to trade him. I mean he's, yeah. he's in the first year of of a pretty long and pretty lucrative extension. I, I do think that the next thing that they have to figure out though is PJ Tucker. And what do you do with that? What do you do with him? Because He's obviously in a contract year. He has made no secrets that he would like an extension. He has certainly earned one, but I'm curious at what his mentality is going into camp if he doesn't have an extension done. So we, we've spent all this time talking about Westbrook and Harden and how they may not be happy, but don't forget about PJ Tucker. That's looming. Yeah, and I think that's kind of linked, right? Like, do the Rockets decide that they want to offer PJ Tucker an extension if they don't get that full buy-in from Harden, right? Like, I think... I think uh, if if you get the if you get the read early on that Harden is open to staying, you know maybe you give PJ Tucker a short extension. But but if if you get the vibe that you know Harden wants out and he's not shaking from that front, then you probably decide, hey, maybe we move him at the trade deadline. Maybe we let his contract expire and take the cap space. Right? Like it, it it is. I think these are all interconnected. I think it really all. You know, you said that this all depends on Christian Wood. I think. That's while that's true, I think in a, in a grand sense, this all depends on James Harden. Oh, yeah, everything depends on James Harden. Yeah, he's the most important player that they've had in the last 25 years. So, yeah, certainly everything depends on, on his buy in. Uh, I do think, though, you can wait on Tucker because I think that he would be a great trade candidate. That is a, a, a that's a contract, you know, I think it's what's probably seven million. For this season so that's not a tough contract to trade I, you know maybe when you're trying to make the money work that might complicate things but uh just that that to me is, is the big looming question is tucker and can steven silas sell james harden on his vision i think those are the two major questions that they're going to have to answer over the next couple of weeks do you have anything to plug before we head out uh sports radio 610 uh i'm doing the afternoon show on wednesday from two to six so uh if you like if you like uh, football talk, there you go. Sports Radio 610, 2 to 6 on Wednesday. Uh, you know you know me. I'm all about the football talk. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Give us five stars on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. Subscribe to State of the Rockets, my Rockets newsletter. If you want to read what I have to say about the Rockets. And yeah, guys, good night.